This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Michael Garcia, the owner of Unbound IT, a company that is dedicated to helping customers take advantage of technology, some of my favorite stuff. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Mark, hello. Um, I love talking about IT stuff. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of the flavor of the day. Chat GPT is a big deal. Um, you know, yep. cybersecurity, which I know we're going to get into, is a big deal Absolutely. these days. I like talking about how to leverage IT stuff. Get yeah. it off my hands because I do not love doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, really we think we know how to do not. it, but. Yeah, you like <laughs> it or you don't. Yep. Yeah, the skill level now is, is, I think, higher back than when I got started yeah. with stuff in the that, 90s. And that gap's just growing every day, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We're also going to talk with Dennis Grizzard, a credit repair, a credit <coughs> repair specialist and the owner of Credit Royalty. Dennis, welcome to the show. How's it going, Mark? Heather, happy to be here. I like your logo, man. Thank you. Credit Royalty. Thank you. Thank you. And the name, too. is kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Makes the, you feel special. The original name was horrible. So what was, oh, the original what was name? it? <laughs> it, was, it was Grizzard Credit Consultation. It oh, was a mouthful, okay. and it was too much. So. You spend so much time correcting people on how to pronounce the name. Exactly. You know? yeah. I, I've had to do it my whole life, right? It's Mark with a C, and it's Ebinger, not Ebinger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Oh, I, I don't even that. bother people <laughs> correcting them on my name. How do you pronounce yeah. your last name? It's Bame. Yeah, right. really? Smith. That's how you pronounce <laughs> it. It's spelled Ebinger, but you pronounce it Smith. Uh, yeah. I've got the Hispanic version of that, so usually oh, I'm pretty good. Yeah, yours is Michael, easy. Michael Garcia is pretty common. So yeah. 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 I don't know. If you go to certain areas of the country, maybe it wouldn't be so. Yeah. How do you say that? Good thing we're in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In the studio with us today, as always, is uh, co-host Heather Bame, a certified business coach that works with business owners, including myself, to help us gain some clarity and achieve our goals. Heather, welcome back. Always glad to be here. And I'm your host, Mark Ebinger, the owner of Crocus Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in giving small businesses a competitive edge by hiring low-cost administrative and social media experts from outside the United States. I'm the guy that you build your team around, man. It's like low-cost, it's affordable, and they're experts. Mm -hmm. I love that part of what I do. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area, or if you want to visit San Antonio, it's all good, and you'd like to have your company featured on the show, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210. I might charge you extra for coming in if you're, like, from California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything costs more there anyway. Tax right. there. We're used to it. That's where I, that's where I moved here from. Oh, yeah. There you go. I, I feel attacked. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> Send the check in the mail. Yeah, I know, right? Where are, you, where are you originally from? Uh, I was born in Ohio. Okay. And then I moved to California when I was 13. Where? Oh, oh Riverside. Riverside. Okay. Because yeah. you have to kind of like, we're well, talking Southern California, we're right, talking right. Northern California. Get a, but even, it, even when you get down and you start breaking it down, unless people know California, mm-hmm. I have to tell them the next biggest city over. Yeah. So if I told you like where I was actually from, you probably have never heard of that mm-hmm. city. So you just say by Riverside. I say Riverside, yeah. but I'm actually from Menifee. Yeah, I've never heard of exactly. that. I don't Sounds even like know where Riverside is, I'll be honest Creek. with you. Like. I'm sure it's beautiful, though. Southern California, really, I mean, of course, they have the Redwoods in certain areas, yeah. but I think that's more that's central. That's north, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's like, it's a wasteland. It's desert until you get to, the like, the very coast. Like, where I'm, where I'm from, it's a desert. And oh, then they wow. have to build buildings and put rocks in the front yard, so... 
Yeah. San Diego's is nice. Yep. The weather there is really great. Yep. You know, people yeah. in San Francisco are saying, "No, we're Northern California." I'm like, "No, I, I really don't know." And really, San Francisco, you're on a, you're on a, you're on probation. Yeah, mm-hmm. Been nice. You know, that whole city's crazy. Yeah, it's it is. cold. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Foggy. Yeah. yeah. Depressing. Alcatraz. Yeah. Uh, I like. It. You like San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, I like San Francisco. Man, the food's great. When was the last time you went? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was about you? three years ago. Okay, that's not uh, too bad. That is recent. Okay. Not too bad. Yeah, declining pretty quickly. It is. Yeah. Well, let's talk about delegation real quick before we kind of get into it. So we all are, you know, in the business of business around here. And delegation is an important key to victory when it comes to entrepreneurship. So, uh, Heather, you're a business coach. You deal with business owners all the time. When it comes to delegation as far as skill sets, like putting somebody in place who's better at Mm. it than you are, what are your thoughts there? I think the first step is to recognize what is your highest and best skill that you don't want to delegate, especially when it comes to like the trust factor. You know, that's one of the things that keeps people from hiring is they don't want to trust someone else to do as good a job as they're doing. So if you can recognize, you know what, there's a lot of things I do, but this is what I do the best. And you can hone in on that and then look at how much more just doing that could grow your business. That kind of relaxes the reins, and it's like, okay, now everything else needs to be delegated, and it's just finding the right person to do those items. Right. True. And, Michael, uh, in the area of IT, I mean, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think you you have to learn to delegate, right? Um, in my previous roles, before I started my business, my background was always in sales. So I am not – I know enough to be dangerous uh. on the technical side of things, right, where I can – communicate I can be that mediator between myself and my customer right and so you know it, when we get more into like the cybersecurity uh, conversation there's a lot of jargon that a lot of people aren't familiar with right. and so sometimes you start talking with people and you just kind of see their eyes glaze over yeah. <laughs> because they're yeah. just not familiar with you know what's what's going on in, in the world of in that world right yeah. so being able to delegate what your not strong at is a very key component of I think just being successful in general. Yeah, I'm thinking if I'm in cybersecurity, I'm looking for you know your kids in your mid 20s, yeah. early 30s maybe, and I'm like maybe even younger. They're all geeked out, or even younger, yeah. but they're all geeked out about the latest whatever. I right. still remember when McAfee was a thing. I don't even know if it's still a thing, but <laughs> it he's is being extradited. It is. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, uh, oh, Dennis, he's, uh, he passed away. Oh, he died. Yeah, yeah McAfee passed away. Yeah. That's what I heard. The guy, the company is still around. Company's doing well. Oh, I, I conspiracy theorists. He passed away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly oh, released some kind of something, some kind of information a year after yeah, his death like or something. Yeah. It's an interesting story. It is. Yeah. Definitely. I watched the documentary, but he it. wasn't dead when I watched the documentary. Yeah. Was, yeah. He was still kicking it out there in the tropics. But the yeah. company exists. Yeah. He's he was separated from the company for a number of years already. So. The company's actually separated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to use. Air quotes, you know, we brought up the one topic you yeah. hoping to avoid. <laughs> Lots of air quotes today. Yeah, but let's bring so. it back around. So, Dennis, when it comes to outsourcing, um, you know, with respect to skill set, what are your yeah. thoughts there? Um, you or know, delegating. What? I'm sorry. I am getting back comfortable with the idea of delegation. Um, I had issues in the past with hiring. Um, trusting people on the team, but I think that might be kind of a skill set that I lack as far as like the hiring process of it. Mm. So finding the right people is important, and then also delegating the task out is important. 
And then I was watching a video. I forget um, who said it. I think it was Cody Sanchez. She's an entrepreneur. But she said, like, break down um, break down what your hourly rate is based on what you make mm-hmm. in your business. And then anything that's below that hourly rate in your business, you need to delegate the task out. So like Heather was saying, so you can focus 100% on the aspect of your business that makes you the most money. So um, now I'm looking at delegating out everything. I'm hired cleaners, um, get the laundry done. Any anything I can delegate to focus 100% on what I want, what I want to do and what I'm good at, I want to um, go ahead and continue and push forward with that direction. So, like we were speaking the other day, Mark, I'm definitely looking at delegating out the the task in my business as well, mm-hmm. and coming up with a really good flow for you know intake client support things like that especially in my industry because credit repair has a really bad rap to it Um, a lot of people see it as scammy so um, I have to do more in in the in the opposite direction to make up for um, to make up for you know what they're not doing on the other side yeah it's it's tough sometimes to have to go Overcome a, yeah. a bad rap in the industry, right. Definitely. especially when you're just trying to launch your business. You exactly. got all those struggles anyway. And I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing. Like when I started doing credit repair, first I didn't know it was a real business, <laughs> and second I didn't know that the industry was so frowned upon. Like you can't get bank accounts, you can't get payment processing, you can't do email blasts, you can't do certain marketing on social media, like. If you do paid advertising, there's a separate section for credit repair companies than any other company that goes and posts a Facebook ad. So wow. it's, it's interesting a, how yeah. some industries are hyper regulated. Yeah. They are so scrutinized yep. and there are other industries that are not hyper scrutinized and that they probably right. should be. Exactly. Right. Um, and it's just kind of luck of the draw and who effed up royally in your yep. industry to make it have that much attention on them. Who I mean, ruined it. Yeah, who else. ruined it for everybody? Yeah. Who made the bathroom sign necessary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our first segment. First up on the show is Michael Garcia, the owner of Unbound IT, a company that specializes in IT infrastructure, IT maintenance, and cybersecurity. Michael, welcome to the show. All right, so how'd you get involved with the IT industry? What's your draw there? What's your path? Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a little bit mm-hmm. of a long story, so I'll try and condense it as much as I can. So... Uh, after college, I, uh, I'm a graduate of UT Austin. So in Austin, you know, it's a little bit different than San Antonio, right? You can throw a rock and hit someone who works in the IT industry. So right after college, <clears throat> I had a former roommate who was working at a company called SHI. And, you know, he mentioned it to me. He said, hey, man, I think you'd enjoy it. You know, they're a reseller. So they resell everything under the sun when it comes down to IT. So... Everything from, you know, mics like this to laptops to servers to any type of services, right? And so I dove in headfirst into that uh, role, and I loved it. Learned a ton about all the different companies that are out there, all the different complexities that make up uh, the IT industry and the IT world. And, you know, you touched on delegating, and in, in that industry, you really do have to delegate. Because there's just so much now. There's so much stuff that is can be relevant to your business that you really have to go ahead and piece that out. So um, fast forward to now, I went through a couple of different companies. I worked at 
Oracle. I worked at SolarWinds. I worked at Rackspace for a little bit. And so most recently I decided, you know what, this is, um, this is already a passion that I have. Uh, it's something that I very much enjoy. Uh, I love helping people. I love figuring out problems uh, using technology. And so when I decided to go out on my own, I said, well, how can I do that within my local community? I'm from San Antonio. I'm born and raised from here. And so I want to know how can I help locally uh, businesses, small businesses, medium-sized businesses that, you know, just can benefit from whatever I bring to the table. And I said, well, you know, you know IT pretty well, so do that, right? And so I started my own company when I thought of what it is that I can actually offer, the offerings that I have, the solutions that I that I bring to the table are very much focused around small and medium-sized businesses. So that's that's essentially my journey in a nutshell, Mark. Because well, cool. in San Antonio, we've got the NSA, we've got UTSA pumping out graduates yeah. uh, with the top IT cybersecurity program. That's right. So a lot of the IT and cybersecurity people I run into around here, they're going after the big government contracts, right. the big fish. Right. So is there a lot of people servicing the small to medium-sized business range? You know, every I think every major company has a division, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, in my experience, everybody wants those whales, right? Everybody yeah. wants the million-dollar, the $5 million contracts, right? And so y you have to really focus on the small business side of things with people that are actually passionate about helping small businesses, right? And so uh, in my experience, there there isn't a lot of resources whenever those divisions are kind of set aside to go after that business. There's not a lot of resources also put behind those divisions, right? So you're really kind of figuring out what what can you do to help these companies uh, and then kind of battle the, the enterprise and the mid-market mm -hmm. for the same resources you need to be able to help those small businesses. So yes and no, uh, I just feel like not enough is done for small businesses, not enough conversations happen for small business. So with respect to small businesses, how s serious are they taking their cybersecurity? I mean, there's reasons why they don't yeah. get involved with it, they don't do the things they need to be doing. What's your take on why they're not taking it seriously? You know, I think it's the mindset it's lack of uh, just knowing how serious cybersecurity is. Um, I think a lot of businesses maybe feel that they are a small fish in a big pond, right? Mm -hmm. they, they feel that they're so small that who's going to target them, right? Who's going to go after them, right? They're not making that much money. They're not someone that you can extort hundreds of thousands of dollars for. But that's not the case at all. Uh, you know, the... The majority of these Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies that are in the industry or that, you know, have a presence, they're spending millions of dollars on cybersecurity, right? They've probably got a budget of, you know, if they're a Fortune 100 company, they've got a budget of maybe like $100 million or more that they're dedicating mm -hmm. just to IT. And so a big portion of that is going to cybersecurity. Whereas a small business, it's probably nothing. Yeah, zero right? budget. Yeah. Zero budget. What's right? your budget there, Dennis? <laughs> Cybersecurity, yeah. right? Oh, did, this mic, did this mic cut off? <laughs> <laughs> probably the same as mine, you know, it's like yeah. not a whole yeah. lot, right? Yeah. It should be more. Yeah. yeah. But when you, when you really think about it, it's like, when was the last time that you got one of these texts that was, hey, you just got a package 
click on this to oh. get your package, yeah. right? right. That's that's a phishing scam. Oh yeah, that is that's what's known as a spear phishing, where they're they're targeting you right directly, and it could be for a two hundred dollar you know gift card, right? Those are pretty popular because they're not really traceable, and it could be something more nefarious, right? That it you click on that link and it it puts some type of uh, spamware on your phone that's going to track all of your movements and they're just waiting for you to log into your app, your bank account app, right? And now mm-hmm. they've got your, all of your, in, your personal private information that leads to your bank account. Yeah. So I think we, we touched on like, you know, lack of, of awareness on a part of this, of the business owner as mm-hmm. far as the need for it and also maybe resources, right? They may not have the budget they, or at least right. they think they don't have the budget for it, but then also the uh, perceived complexity of the issue. Right. Where do I start? What, how do you address that? Yeah, so I would say get with a consultant. Get with someone who actually speaks the language, who actually knows the environment. It's a lot like if you were to go out and buy a home, right? Mm-hmm. Or you need a credit repair, yeah. right? You don't know where to start. Find someone who's in the industry. Find someone who's actually in the trenches and sees all those different things, right? If you're looking for a home, go find a realtor. They're going to help you kind of pinpoint the exact area that you want to live in, right? What you're kind of looking for, the type of house that you want. It's the same thing when it comes down to cybersecurity or IT. You just want to find someone who's who's actually been in the industry and can guide you along the way. So we've kind of talked and touched on affordability. The small mm-hmm. businesses, they don't utilize it. And generally it's because they don't have a ton of money to sure. throw around. Uh, even one small line item on the P&L right. is a big decision when you're just right. starting up. So what is the range of affordability for cybersecurity at that level and how much do you need? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can sign up with a provider for maybe 30 bucks a month. That's going to manage or monitor your website, your email address, your apps on your phone, uh, your apps just in general on your servers. If you've got apps on servers. Um, so it's, it's affordable. You, mm-hmm. you can actually find things that are affordable. Um, basic type of security measures that you can take. For example, I've seen a ton of websites that have their SSL certs out of compliance, right? That's the secure socket layers on your website. What that does is that tells uh, search engine companies like Google, hey, this is a legitimate website. Go ahead and put them in a place where people can find them when you do a search, mm-hmm. right? When you have that out of compliance, when you haven't renewed that, and it's, I think, every 13 months that you have to renew it, or there's providers out there that can provide it to where you you never have to worry about that. But if you don't have that renewed and you don't have that in line, that's going to push you further down on the list to where, where people can find you, right? Not to mention that it puts you at risk for viruses, for Trojans, for being an easy target for attackers that are out there, as well as your customers, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember not too long ago, well, a couple years ago, Target had a huge breach, Yeah. right? That breach was actually, it stemmed off of a HVAC company that they had done business with. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Piggybacked. Right, exactly. They piggybacked off of their lack of cybersecurity into Target's network. And it costs Target hundreds of millions of dollars. So that actually kind of leads. So I, I know people look at like Target and and Chase and they see these breaches mm-hmm. and then you see these class action settlements and you're yep. like, oh, big fish, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Have you seen an example of a small business, like worst case scenario outcome and how you could have prevented that? Um, so, yeah. So just earlier when we were kind of talking out in the lobby, um, you know, someone else who is here at VentureX has clients and one of his clients was a uh, doctor's practice, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. They were a small practice and so they were attacked and ransomware. It was enough to, it shut down their business completely. Wow. Right? Because it's just HIPAA. People will, well, people will think that these bad actors, and that's the term, by the way, there's some of that jargon. Bad actors are hackers, right? Mm-hmm. And so these bad actors, they'll see a doctor's practice and think, oh, these doctors are making millions, right? Mm-hmm. When chances are maybe they're making a half million dollars a year. So if they hit them with, a ransomware that's going to be a half million dollars, that practice is done. There's no way that they can pay for that, right? Because they've got all their other expenses in making sure to keep the business actually running. So it happens a lot more often than you would think. And you just like shield them from that or you're able to note that attack coming in? and You do what you can, right? So there's a number of different methods and uh, um, offerings out there that you can put in place, right? One thing I will mention is you are never 100% guaranteed to not have a breach, to not get, uh, you know, some type of cybersecurity issue. And if anyone ever tells you that, they're lying to you, Hmm. right? This is a continuous evolving thing that we are, for the first time in human history, involved in. So it's just, it's something that you want to try and mitigate, and there's different things that you can do, right? Everything from a $30 solution that's going to monitor everything and kind of give you a heads up so that you can take some type of action to literally replicating your entire environment if you're a bigger size business, right? But once you get to that point, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. right? If that's right. what your environment is already. All right. So um, I noticed you got your laptop in front yeah. of you. Because <laughs> you got notes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Obviously, it's important to have cybersecurity, right? right. To have something in place, right? Yeah. So protecting our data is kind of a given. Um, business continuity, which I think is what you touched on there, right. that's a big deal because not only do you have the interruption that can happen, but then you have the really the revenue stream gets cut off. Right. 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 So there's yeah. problems. People are chasing problems, trying to fix it or whatever. Right. But then you can't execute on your services. Um, so... What do you think is like the biggest revenue hit angle on somebody who has a cyber security breach? The biggest revenue hit in terms of is it recovery or is it the interruption of services? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So it just—I mean, it's one of those questions. They both that, suck. Yeah, yeah. yeah really, <laughs> I mean, really, above. it's going to depend, right? It's, right. If you have a business that's making millions of dollars, right? Or let's just stay with the small business, right? And you're making you know, five to 10 grand a day. If you're out for 10 days and you make 10 grand a day, that's a hundred grand you've already lost. Yeah. Right. And so if it's the recovery portion, if you can manage to spin up a whole nother website within two weeks and that's, that's the lifeblood of your business, then you're, you're going to be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's still all the things that go behind well, what's running through that website, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a whole new web address that you have to come up with or if it's a whole new system that you have to put in place, well, how much is that going to cost me, right? The other day I was speaking with someone who said he knew a 
uh, furniture store down in in South Texas. I think it was in Brown Brownsville um, that had had a ransomware. Uh, this is Howie Howie mentioned it oh, on, yeah. our, on our call. He said they got hit for eight hundred. I'm sorry for two million dollars. I think, wow. and they refused to pay it. There, it was a ransomware that they refused to pay. They had to rebuild their entire system. Yeah. It cost them eight hundred thousand dollars, right? Wow. So, plus the stress of it all, right? That's right. why it's like insurance, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't need insurance until, until you, you need, need insurance, it, yeah. right? Same right. thing with cybersecurity. Right. All right, Michael, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, so you can reach out to me directly. Uh, email me at info at unbound-it.com. I'm also uh, on LinkedIn, so you can look up uh, myself, Michael Garcia, uh, should be able to find me, or look up unbound-it on LinkedIn, um, or go to my website, unbound-it.com. I have a direct number on there you can reach out to. You can also contact me through that email as well. Love it. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Can yeah, I ask Michael thank a you. question really quick? Yeah, yeah. Before sure. we move on. So sure. just a quick question for um, a client that would want to work with you or someone that's searching for cybersecurity. Yeah. What, what, when you're talking to, when you're doing your consultation, what are you looking for during that call as a, as a customer to make sure that you're going to be working with the right person? Mm-hmm. And then once you do hire on that person, what is like an example that you would do to make sure the client knows that they're getting what they're paying for? Because small businesses won't really know. So oh, that's yeah. a great question. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a big part of that is education. Okay. Right. So one of the first things that I look for is what is their level of understanding when okay. it comes down to cybersecurity, right? Okay. An easy way to do that is just for them to explain to me kind of where they're hosting their website, okay. especially for small businesses, right? Okay. Because like I said, they may not have servers and a, a number of applications yeah. that they're running, right? So well, I host on GoDaddy. What would you tell me if I was Yeah, so GoDaddy's kind of kind of notorious for having a couple breaches. Okay. Um but, you know, you WordPress had an issue not too long ago yeah. as well. Yeah. Right? So you just want to make sure that you have um the basics put in place if you're a small business. So the basics okay. would be like making sure your SSL certs are up to date. Okay. A firewall put in place a web application firewall put in place, which is going to help with like DDoS attacks. Okay. You can consider that as like a smart, a smarter version of a firewall. Okay. Right. Um, Making sure that they have simple, like good security practices within their own team. Yeah. Right. So 70% of attacks that happen on small businesses are actually social engineering, which is that phishing attack, right? Where you get that email that's like, you know, it looks like it's coming from someone that you know, yeah. a trusted source, yeah. but it's really not. That's right? why I always check the email address. Like, always check it. Where did it come from? Yeah. Always check it. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, myself, those are some of the things that I offer okay. to my customers, right? Making sure that all those boxes that I just mentioned, that they have all those checked off, okay. right? And then just educating them as well. Education, I think, is very important. Enough to where, uh, again, like you're communicating to someone that's not... And this is more so for myself when I speak to clients, yeah. right? That I speak to them in a way that they understand, right? Yeah, that it's yeah. not going to be something that goes over their head and they're like, well, that sounds like it's important, but I don't know yeah. if that's a fit for me, right? Yeah. What so, do I do about okay. it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. You guys Thank might you. need to Appreciate have it. coffee or something. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. we need to connect for sure. We, we've been trying for, for a little bit. A little now. bit. <laughs> we, we we'll get, get it done. Yeah. Do or do not. <laughs> Definitely. Right? Well, it's one of those deals. You don't need it until you need it. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. That's yep. the thing. That's right. 
All right, next up on the show is Dennis Grizzard, a credit repair specialist for seven years now and the owner of his own business, Credit Royalty. Um, and then you also do something else called Grizzard Hospitality as well. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, credit repair is your bread and butter. Definitely. All right. So uh, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got involved in the credit repair business. Okay. So background. Um, I spent 10 years in the medical field um, out in California. I was a nurse assistant, uh, worked in the ER, worked in the ICU, PCU, um, brought back a couple people in CPR, sat mm. in on surgeries, all kind of stuff. Um, so my background is kind of weird like that. And then um, maybe what, three years ago now when COVID hit, um, all of our hours were getting weird at, at work. So um, when they cut down the hours, I put more time into the credit repair business, which I was already doing on the side. And then um, about two months into it, one overtook the other. And I was faced with the decision right there. Do I want to stay at the job where... I don't know which way the work is going to go because COVID was a really unsure time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what was going to happen. Or I could leave the job, work for myself, and kind of bet on myself because I've always been like a hustler my whole life. Um, back in high school, I used to go with my backpack, and I had a duffel bag full of sodas and, and nice. candy because they – they took the vending machines out of our school. So yeah. oh, wow. kids want candy. I have candy. I'd be sold out before the first bell rang. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so um, I'm, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could do this. So went into business for myself, moved to Texas, both at the same time without <laughs> knowing anyone really out here, just kind of on a whim. I did a little bit of research, and um, San Antonio is top five worst credit scores in the state, in the, in <laughs> oh. the country. I wonder so why like, that is. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea, man. But on average, um, the lowest one of the lowest credit scores are here in San Antonio. So I figured I could help a lot of people out here and um, kind of stay consistent with business. So that kind of went into that decision as well. And then, like how I got into credit repair, uh, back in 2017, I needed a car. My car was breaking down. It sounded like I was grinding metal when I rode up to the car dealership. And I'm like, hey, I need to leave here with something. I wanted a Kia Optima. I went to two different car dealerships. I got denied at the first one for any kind of car. Went to CarMax. They denied me for the Kia Optima. They gave me a, um, what is it, Hyundai Sonata um, at about 30% interest because my credit score was a 479. Um, I had collections, charge-offs. I knew absolutely nothing about credit. So I took the deal because I needed the car. But I went home and I started to educate myself um, on YouTube, reading books, things like that, on how to uh, repair and understand credit. And in about a month and a half, I was able to bring my credit score from a 479 to a 650. So I wanted to see, hey, can I replicate this? And um, I was able to replicate it on a couple friends and family members. And I'm like, hey... I think that this could be a business. I knew nothing about the credit repair space. I knew nothing about um, that this was even a real thing that I could do and kind of just jumped out there and started helping people. And the same question I got back then is the same question I get now. What is credit repair? Like, what do you actually do? And so get on a call with a client, let them know, hey, you have laws in place to protect you as a consumer. Um, you can dispute anything that's on your credit report using a multiple ways of disputing. 
and anything can be removed from a credit report if disputed correctly. So I just study the ways to get it off, see what works, see what doesn't, see what's new in the industry, stay updated, and I'm able to help you know clients today. What I love about this story is you didn't look up and be like, I need a side hustle, no. and you found credit repair and you wanted to do it for the money. You just... It was a situation that you ran into. Yep. You navigated that situation, started helping other people, and then yep. were able to build a side hustle out of it. Definitely. Um, I know, like, I want to talk more about the credit repair side, yeah. but you successfully have transitioned from your side hustle into your full-time job. Yeah. The numbers, I feel like everybody can figure out and make sense, but... Yeah psychologically emotionally what were some of the things that you went through to go from that secure i mean not super secure yeah. but that steady job mm. to being on your own how'd you navigate that um i've always looked at a job the whole time i was there as something that is not secure mm. <clears throat> i've always known that like i got fired from a job like a long time ago from a hospital that i dedicated years to I gave them everything I had working overtime and things like that. And I had one of my certifications lapse temporarily. I was able to get it back a month later, but in that month period, they couldn't wait for me to get it back. I couldn't be like off work for that time period. They're like, you either get it by this date or we have to let you go. And that kind of woke me up to where there is no security. There is no such thing as job security at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, when I realized that there was no such thing as job security, I immediately switched my major. I was going to school at the time. I immediately switched my major from nursing to business administration because I wanted to understand the ins and outs of what it would take to get into, what it would take to get out of this unsure thing where I don't control my own destiny into a situation where I can at least create some freedom. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get into you know, owning my own business to become like a billionaire or something like that, even though money is good to have, but I just wanted the freedom. Uh, I was newly married, um, you know, children, all of that. And I wanted to spend as much time with them as possible. And that was my, that was my main goal. <laughs> we got just a, I don't know, about a minute or so left, but when it comes to repairing your credit, yeah. what would be like the top, tip or two that you would give somebody uh, before they come to you? What's some basic stuff? They're like, hey, do this yeah. right away. Okay, so most of the time people do not check their credit. <laughs> so I would start with downloading either Credit Karma or Experian or both because they're free. And uh, look at your credit report on there. See if you have any errors. See if there's anything you don't recognize. If you don't recognize it, you can dispute it on your own and see what comes back um, from the credit bureaus. It takes about 30 to 45 days to get a response from a credit bureau, so you have to um, kind of be patient. And then um, after that, I would say that you could lower your credit utilization. That's usually a big thing. Um, people have high usage on their credit cards, and that lowers your credit score because that's 35% um, of your credit score. And then Payment history is 30% of your credit score, so that's 65%. That's 100% in your control. So if you can control that, you can have a pretty decent credit score, even if you have, like, a negative or something on there. What's the part that's out of your control? Um, the parts that's out of your control is age of credit, like your credit age. So if you're new to credit, your first credit card starts that day. 
then you have a month of credit history. Mm. So you can't uh, manufacture that. I mean, you can, but we won't talk. That's too much. But um, <laughs> right. So you, you can't really control that part. And then another part that you can't really control is when you don't understand when you're going in to look for like a vehicle or um, a home or something like that. No one reads the fine print. So they blast your credit to 10, 15 different banks every time you go and look for a loan through a company like that. So it's you kind of can control it, but you can't control the hard inquiries that come to your credit report while you're looking for something like that. Mm-hmm. So you go to an auto dealership. It's better to go with your own loan. Um, I tell all of my clients, you can go to the same banks that they're going to blast it to oh, yeah. and request a pre-approved loan, take the check right to the dealership, and walk out of there with no hard inquiries except for the one that you use to get the, the Just loan. try and steer clear of 30% interest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That Don't sounds like, like a loan shark mm-hmm. right there. It was definitely a loan shark. Wow, that was 2017, you yeah, said, right? Yeah. That's crazy. And I still have the car to this day so I can remember why I started right? this business. <laughs> Take a picture of that last check that exactly. you sent him, right? right? Exactly. All right, Dennis, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, I'm really active on Instagram. So my Instagram is Credit Dennis. Um, I also have Facebook page, uh, Credit Royalty. That's the name of the company. CreditRoyalty.co. Um if you want to, you know, book a consultation with me, the consultations are free. We'll go through everything on your report and give you a game plan. Help you go from there. That's good service. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, Time man. flew by, I think, yeah. on this one. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up the show. Quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us for this one. You guys have a great week. Great job, everybody. Awesome. Thank appreciate you, y'all. Thank you so much.